You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest, Marilyn Odwini, how you doing, Marilyn? Are you able to hear me? I'm just checking. I had a little technical difficulties getting started this morning. I wanted to check before I kept the show going. I can hear you just fine. Okay, sounds good. I just wanted to check. All right, let me go ahead and finish this intro, and we'll get started trying to get my other guests on as well. Everybody out there listening, again, just had a little technical difficulty at the start. Then had some um, background noise. I wanted to make sure we got that alleviated before we started the show. But welcome to the Myth Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions that push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Thank you once again, Queen, for being with me. Um, looking to get a second guest on, so hopefully we get them on with no problem. Um, hate when we have these rough starts, but it happens from time to time with technical difficulties and equipment is always um, social. I mean, not social media, but. Um, technology is always great until it doesn't work. And so it's like we're going to be able to get this thing started just right. But thank you, Queen, for being um, black with you. us, as I like to say. Um, but if you will, Queen, say hello to the intellectual outcasts out there listening, as well as give them a little bit of your background before we let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this particular episode. My name is Marilyn Aldwini. I am a cognitive behavioral therapist, as well as I actually focus in child and family psychology. I'm also a parenting coach, and, um, you know, that's just, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about doing, and what gets me excited about this episode here, thank you for having me. Uh, glad to have you. If you are a first-time listener, again, I go by the name Black Socrates. We take the Socratic method on any of the topics that we're discussing, so we like to ask the right questions, hoping to get the right answer, if that makes sense. And with that said, this morning's discussion question, and y'all will be able to call in and give us your three cents on it this morning as we give out the 
call-in number a little later in the show. Uh, but this morning's discussion question, today's youth disrespectful or misguided? Today's youth disrespectful or misguided? And so, Marilyn, when I called you and said, hey, here's the show we're doing, I always like to start this way. Can you recall your first initial thought when you heard the discussion question worded that particular way? Um, uh, definitely. I um, It got me really excited because it's something that I talk about a lot with um, the families that I've worked with, and it tends to be a major, excuse me, it tends to be a major topic of conversation with, um, on, you know, my social media pages as well, um, is discussing teenagers in particular um, and, you know, the lack of respect that, you know, they seem to have these days um, and just relationships with teenagers in general. So I, you know, was really excited about getting into that topic. No, I love it. And so I think this is, in a sense, an age-old question per se, even if it's never necessarily been worded this particular way, but an age-old question in the sense that I would assume throughout history every generation thinks the younger generation is more disrespectful. And so Absolutely. I remember when I was young, in a sense, uh, being as I always talk about being a part of this hip-hop generation and we rebelled in the ways that we rebelled, if you will, and I remember – you know, being in the generation that first started, if you will, sagging pants and pants and anything. And I think my grandma thought that was just so disrespectful. Why would you do that <laughs> and that kind of stuff? Now, I always tell people being the generation that started it, we didn't know they were going to start hanging it down below their butts and below their knees. We just did it out by way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we thought we was a little respectful with it, but we was intending to be, you know, rebel, rebel, um, rebellious, if you will, and, and I guess to a degree disrespectful, but we wasn't showing our whole butt. Not that it makes it no different in the sense that, you know, what we see today, I always say we're to blame for it, but I'm just using that small example to say this has always, in a sense, been the case. So when we ask this question, you know, are children or youth more disrespectful or misguided, if you will, um, there, in, in my opinion, there's a thought that this is always how it's been looked at. It may be just the same scenario with the older generation just looking at the younger generation that way. I'm not saying, you know, necessarily uh, which way it is, but we, I think we have to at least think about that this question has always been asked of the youth. Uh, your thoughts of just that historical context to this being an age-old question. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head that every generation has complained about teenagers. Um, and there's, you know, more than enough information out there, more than enough experience between all of us out there to show that this is just a time in life when um, it's just something that you see with teenagers and that, you know, our culture is different today. Um, and so it, it kind of, I think, um, exaggerates, you know, the situation a little bit more so than in previous generations, but at its core, it's the exact same situation that we've seen, you know, since the beginning of time where teenagers are accused of being, you know, um, out of control and rude and so many other things. No, absolutely. We actually got our other special guest, retired teacher Chinway Obajio for how you doing, Queen? Thank you for getting on with us this morning. If you will say hello to the intellectual outcast, 
give a quick more a few more details to your background just so they understand I have qualified for being with us. And as you give your background, I'll ask you, I'll go ahead and have you answer the question of um, are children, are today's youth um, more disrespectful or misguided? What was your first thought when you heard that question? So go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being with us. Oh, well, thank you for in, inviting me, and I apologize for being late. Um, my background is that I am a retired teacher. I started teaching in 1984 in Inglewood, uh, California, and retired in 22. Um, taught in several different schools and also consulted around the, the country with Scholastic. And I totally agree with what the other guest and you just, excuse me, just said. Uh, I hear people all the time saying, oh, the ch- children now, they're just so, uh, you know, they're different. They're disrespectful. And I don't, that hasn't been my experience. What I've experienced, um, like you've said, there's a change in what our standards of respect are and also uh, children rise and fall to our expectations. You know, they're really, especially the younger children who I'm uh, more familiar with in terms of dealing with day-to-day, they are really good at reading the room or looking at, you know, seeing how to behave um, according to the situation. No, I love it. And we are up against our first break, and so when we come back, uh, I, I will, we will have this dialogue, if you will, from both sides of it. I will be challenging some of the things I just heard, if you will. Again, just for us to have the thought out dialogue is what we do here at Mr. Dialogue. For anybody out there listening, if you want to call in and give us your three cents, the number to call in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. And we'll be right back with this morning's discussion question. Today's you. Disrespectful or misguided, we'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. Quilombo and TSK are excited to invite you to our annual fundraiser, Educate to Liberate. This year, the docufilm will be viewed at the fabulous Porter Sanford III Performing Arts Center in Decatur, Georgia. The theme this year is SOS, Saving Ourselves. The good news is we have everything we need to save our children. We just have to choose us. The event is Wednesday, November 29th at 6 p.m. Dinner will be served. Go to EducateToLiberate.online or KilumboSchool.com to secure your tickets. Text 404-992-8021 for more information. We hope to see you on November 29th.
No, I love it. So for any of our intellectual outcasts out there listening, we always encourage supporting our African-centered education. Cater, can I just jump in here? Rural and schools, and so definitely would encourage y'all to go to educate to liberate dot online and support the schools that are actually alleviating this so-called problem that both of our guests have kind of highlighted has been an age-old thing that kind of repeats itself. And let's get into, if you will, man, let's get into the cut. Um, just again, wanted to highlight both of those schools and the opportunity I had to support them as well. But let's get into that cut. I don't know if you've had a chance to even see uh, the actual video itself, but you were catching just the tail end of a much longer back and forth that started out somewhat, I guess, okay, if you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we have this um, kind of well-known son, King, because his father obviously is a big rap star and is uh, mother Tiny also was in the or uh, also in the entertainment industry or whatever, and they've had their um, reality shows or whatever. I said so. I guess to an extent, the whole family is not, uh, if you will, prone to. They don't, they don't have a concern, if you will, with being on IG Live. In my opinion, I'll just say off the top, none of that should have happened live on the air. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want an altercation between. Um, you know, King, just to highlight, he is above, he, is, he is over 21, so I guess technically he's an adult in that sense. So you never want, mm-hmm. want to have an altercation with your family out in public like that, but to go IG live seems even crazy and kind of brings everybody into question, if you will. But again, I don't know how familiar you are with the cut. You just heard the tail end, which was T.I. actually restraining his son, and that's what you heard at the end. So again, so just wanted to kind of hear your three cents, if you will, on that cut, because, again, it generated this morning's conversation. Absolutely. Um, I did take a moment to look at it this morning um, just to get an idea of what the catalyst was for this conversation, and um, I definitely agree with you in that I think it was really blown out because of the fact that it was on IG Live and it um, got so much public attention. Um, There's really nothing new about that, you know, um, type of altercation, if you want to call it, between, you know, parents or a father and son um, under the sun. It's just the fact that, you know, they're famous people and it was broadcast to the public, you know, uh, those types of um, you know, crazy engagements or whatever else happen all the time. It's part of, um, for a lot of families, their children growing up and seeking, um, you know, their own identities and autonomies and things like that. I will say that in that particular instance, I, I feel like I, I understood where everyone was coming from, but I definitely identified with what his name is King. King was feeling in that moment. Um, He's 21, but he's definitely fully, you know, developed when it comes to um, his psychological development. They're still young people and the brain, the frontal cortex that, you know, makes decisions and that type of thing is not fully developed until after the age of 25 or so. So I still, you know, um, count people who are 21 years old as being, you know, young people, young adults. Uh, just barely out of being teenagers. So he uh, he was around that age, you know, once they enter the teen years, you know, there's this huge rise in testosterone, and people tend to um, correlate testosterone with just, like, aggression. 
but it's also mainly with seeking respect. And in that moment, you know, you can see that what he was looking for from the people he was initially arguing with, he felt disrespected by them. Um, and of course, you know, just this kind of lack of real emotional control that he had in that moment as well. Um, and then also in the same moment, his parents, while they were trying to defuse the situation initially, um, I think they kind of just, you know, put fuel on the on the on the fire because they, you know, did. I think they could have responded better in that situation. You know, even though I'm not in it, looking outside in, I think they could have responded better. And I, I, they, I think they did what they thought they needed to do in the moment. But I do think that for what he was trying to, um, what he was feeling, what he was expressing in that moment, uh, definitely he felt just all around um, disrespected. And that's one of the key things with our young people is that, you know, we expect a lot of respect from them, but we're not necessarily um, reciprocating that respect and they learn by example and you can tell that there's other things going on with them with them and their family dynamic just based on what king was saying in that moment you know that oh you don't f with me and the fact that he went back later on and made additional posts on social media Mm -hmm. about it you know so there's definitely a lot of other feelings already that's you know part of that the way which is why i say the way that his parents responded i think triggered him further just because there's already probably pre-existing issues around respect and things like that between him and his father and maybe even his mother as well. Um, So, you know, this is not to condone, you know, obviously any of the behavior or putting it on social media, but this is just trying to look at it from the perspective of a young person who, you know, really is still developing those types of emotional skills and um, management and maybe hasn't had that level of support in those areas um, to you know, mature. So uh, definitely, I think it was something definitely a lot deeper than what we see on the surface. And it's that nothing new that happens in families. That makes sense. Let me ask you, if you will, Queen, let me throw this out and get Chin Wei's um, three cents on it as well. Um, yeah, you bring a lot to the table, a lot that people in a sense could think of, you know, could think about or should think about. Again, with your background, it makes a lot of sense, and you're kind of, kind of breaking it out from your cognitive behavior, therapist's viewpoint, if you will. Um, Chinoy, I don't know if you're familiar with what that happening or seeing that video or whatever, but I would just say the initial viewpoint that I think the public would and could take or does take and kind of exacerbates the situation. Again, never should have been on IG Live. But the initial thought mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people is, um, yeah, look at him. He, he, you know, he came up well. He, they were his parents, and he's not appreciative of what they've done for him. And he didn't have a tough life. He's one of these young people trying to. He's making music, trying to emulate uh, a lifestyle that ain't really his, and this type of stuff. And he's he's wanting to because even in the in the little video um, earlier in the video, he was talking about he's able to take Ti and. Uh, kind of to the bando, which is a, a drug house or whatever, trying to show that he's not, he never had a silver spoon. They were saying, you grew up with a silver spoon. And he was saying, no, I, no, I didn't. I could take it to the bando. So um, to Marilyn's point, he's trying to, in a sense, get, ask for respect, but in the way that it was done, the public could say, hey, he's had it good, and here he is trying to be bad, and now he's disrespecting his parents. That's the simplest way to look at it, and I think that's how, in my opinion, the majority of the public looks at it. Um, your thoughts, Chinway, in, in, in not knowing if you've seen it, 
Uh, but just wanted to put out that perspective and see your thoughts on that as well. Um, well, I I did watch the clip, and I agree 100% with Marilyn's perspective in terms of um, his state, King's stage of development and the way his parents handled it. Uh, I don't know if you were planning to share more of the clip or, or had already shared any other parts of it, but when Tiny got on there and said that he sucked the pacifiers uh, till the age of 12, you know, you you don't go tit for tat with uh, a young person like that because that automatically put him on the defensive mm-hmm. and attack mm-hmm. mode. Uh, she should have never done that. That is so... I, I cringed. I cringed when I heard that because I put myself in his perspective as somebody who's trying to get street cred, which there are a lot of middle class, upper class children who he's still basically, he's not a full grown man, maybe legally, but as Marilyn stated mentally, he's not fully developed. And he is trying to establish street cred. He's not doing anything different than a lot of young men that age. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That is what it is. And for her to to just diss him like that, yeah, he was going in attack mode. That's human nature. He's going in attack mode. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I think both of y'all perspective, in my opinion, has to be brought to the table because again, outside looking in, and others, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of others who see it just as you do as well, but obviously when you kind of look at what's happening with social media and the perspective of this age-old question saying, look at how disrespectful kids are or whatever, it goes back to, I think, something Marilyn pointed out when she said, hey, we demand respect, but it's not necessarily that we give respect. And so without having the context of, you know, the information that Marilyn just brought to the table that, you know, he's at the age where the testosterone drives you to the man and want respect. And so, yeah, initially it was kind of like it started out playful, but you can't expect the young one to be the one that once they've went over the top, you can't expect them to be the one who pulls it back and mm-hmm. is unaware of, you triggered it by clowning him. Great example, Chinway, because they continued to clown him throughout the thing. Mm-hmm. And at that spot, at that point, what do do you expect? And I don't want to make this whole show about them, but it was an opportunity to get into, in a sense, are today's youth or disrespected or misguided. So I think if I'm listening to both of you, in a sense, again, not to judge T.I. and trying to get into that in particular, again, there's just an excuse to have this conversation. Um, but it becomes somewhat of a different thing if it's, you know, if it was, in a sense, amongst family or friends, but you're in a public place. So you would want, quote, unquote, the adults in the situation not to play into it and handle it later. And like you said, Marilyn, at the end of the day, we often do forget about the disrespect um, that we don't, I'm sorry, the respect that we don't give the youth in return. Um, so if we will, I also want to jump back to something you said earlier, Marilyn, if you will. Um, and from this standpoint, 
I spent seven years, if you will, mentoring in schools, if you will. The one thing that I will say, and Chile, you obviously do in the schools, you can definitely speak to this as well, but the one thing I will say that when I was mentoring, I do see teachers having to, in my opinion, deal with a lot more behavior issues um, today than I recall from my period going up, going up to school. And maybe I got the wrong relative experience, but I don't recall it being this many behavioral issues. And so in that sense, I think that's where some of the sentiment that kids are more disrespectful because they are having to handle more behavioral issues in the school. I really want to hear both of your thoughts on that. We check make sure we got time before the break. All right. So as a matter of fact, let me give you a 10 way because you were in the school system. Give me a quick thought on it. And then we'll go to break and continue that part of the conversation, if you will, Jenway. Okay. Well, um, I believe that that families as a whole are um, in more pain. More and more families are in more pain, and as a result of that, uh, the children we're seeing more and more hurt children, and that shows up in a. a different way and it looks like disrespect people will take it as disrespect and I take it as um, being in pain Mm. having to deal with things that maybe previous generations did not deal with we didn't have exposure to um, a lot of the things that children have exposure to now and yeah, we. I see. I see more more pain. You know, I. I no, that's I respect the perspective. Again, yeah. you're talking about what twenty nine, thirty years of being in the school system, and I, I think that people would be surprised. I, I do hear t- teachers though that say things are different now, but I hear what you're saying. You're saying, hey, when you look at it, you don't look at that as simply disrespect. There's a as you're you're calling it a lot more pain from the family structure and so it's playing out in the school systems. But let's go to this next break. We got a caller that wants to jump in as well. We'll be right back to listen to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, sixty one percent of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not TCHmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging texts that keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. Change the game. I wanna make a name for myself. I don't wanna stop. You don't make a name for yourself. You don't make a name. Don't try to stop him. Quit babying him. Let him go through it. There's a certain structure and discipline that comes with school that King definitely needs. That's part of the journey. You can't do it for him. His mama can't do it for him. His mama can't do it for him. Neither can I. I don't think Tip realizes that King is really serious about creating music. I mean, we want all our kids to get out there and do what they do, 
But as a parent, you're torn because you want to make sure they keep their ass in school and get good grades. I'm fighting for what I want. I'm well, trying to get it. Well, keep fighting, young man. Keep fighting. <laughs> Ain't gonna do nothing but make a man out of you. Don't cry. What is you still trying to coddle him for? Let the man walk off, have some time to himself, sit down, soak it up, and come up with what he need to do. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Today's discussion question today is you, disrespectful or misguided. Special guest, Kenway and Marilyn. We've got another special guest jumping in here real quick. My brother, Sincere, for making black boys better. Uh, definitely want to get the male perspective, if you will, on this conversation. As we hear another cut from T.I., actually, Family Hustle, uh, again, both King's parents are famous. They had the reality show. And you hear a time earlier in King's life when T.I.'s highlighting that he felt like Tiny and the grandmother, if you will, were coddling him. And I think that has to be, in a sense, a part of this conversation. And, again, perfect timing to get my brother Sincere in here. So if you will, Sincere, introduce yourself. Tell him a little bit of your background as it relates to this morning's discussion. And we'll rock with you for a few yeah, I think about 30 minutes you told me you had, so I definitely want to take advantage of that time with you. Uh, but thanks for being with us, King. Hello, Sister. Actually, uh, yeah, thank right. you for the conversation, brother. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, but you're coming through live and clear. A lot of clear now. Go ahead, King. Oh, great, great, great. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, I appreciate the conversation and uh, – I am sincere. I am a community activist. I work with youth. Uh, actually, I'm on the way to go work with some of my boys now with uh, Big Brothers Anonymous. Uh, I'm a poet, a speaker, an author. Uh, but most importantly, I'm just somebody in the community that cares, and I do that in the way of uh, uh, showing the example of a happy, healthy, productive black man, a husband, uh, someone that is an example of what to do based on life experience and research. All right, so uh, that's a little bit about me, man. I hear a number of different things, uh, and I see that TI is often misunderstood, but the information that he's putting out, or what he just spoke on is not bad information. Where he gets in trouble a lot of times is his delivery. Uh, you know, so so as I work with boys, I often stress the discipline, and I speak with single mothers often about the fact that the way that a man teaches a boy to be a man is going to be different than how a mother teaches a boy uh, the idea of what a man is from the way that she sees a standard or from a nurturing perspective, right? So it's 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 often important that we realize that that a man is going to teach a boy to be a man differently than a woman would uh, project the standard or the nurturing onto a boy that helps them to become a man as well. So, so that's a part of the conversation as well. Now, I love it. Thank you for bringing that perspective to the table. Uh, Mela, any thoughts as we continue this morning's discussion? Absolutely. And I think sincere is absolutely correct. And, um, and saying that that man's involvement in a young man's development um, is essential and very different from the role a woman or a mother um, can play. Um, 
I believe in general one of the biggest issues that we're having now, um, and, and I think it speaks to what Chinwen was saying earlier, is that we just don't have that community, that village around our children and our families anymore that we had previously. One, we have, as she mentioned, families in pain, and I think a lot of that pain comes from, in my experience and my practice, from a lack of real attachment in some of our families and a lot of our families, to be honest. We have, you know, parents who are working around the clock and maybe, you know, a lot of single um, parent households. Um, and so you don't have the children having that level of connection, attachment, engagement from their parents as we once had. And so a lot of that is left to um, schools and teachers and it's not necessarily even in the context of a community of people who care about them and are invested in them at a level that you can't necessarily be when you're a teacher just trying to manage a classroom full of children. So it's important to have these organizations. And if I can just speak real quick, Chinway, um, I didn't know that you were coming from Colombo. I have years of experience working with and volunteering at my family being engaged with Colombo. Uh, and several of the other families there, and I completely um, just admire and love what they do in the community. And that school, they really do, they, they walk the walk when it comes to um, our children and kind of making it a, a whole cohesive ecosystem with the families and the community around them, um, especially when it comes to young men. One of the, if you're familiar with the work of Amos Wilson, one of the main things that young people need is work. I believe that traditional schools are not um, an ideal place for teenagers and emerging adults, as I like to call them. You know, they're still children, but they're also emerging adults, and that's like a tricky place for them to be um, and balancing that stage in their lives. Um, young people at that age, they need real things to do. You know, being corralled in like a classroom and just, you know, looking at books and nothing that they can really engage with um, doesn't um, support them in their growth and their development and what they're seeking when it comes to that respect. You know, so giving them opportunities to actually be engaged in something that they love doing, to actually be able to be leaders, um, to have a healthy peer group, to have mentors and other things, I believe that one of the best um, uh, one of the best ways for young people to develop is as an, an apprenticeship, basically. You know, if they're able to actually be out a part of the community and a part of the real engaging working world in some way and have real purpose and, and what they're doing besides just getting grades and maybe aiming towards something that is not ideal for them. You know, everybody's not going to go to college. Everybody's not going to follow the same path. But the earlier you can get them focused on and engaged in a path and a purpose, then you get a lot more just uh, cooperation from young people, um, you get a lot more of their, by respecting that part of their need for respect and for engagement, they're much more likely to get the respect that you're, you know, desiring from them back. And that comes from setting the example first and setting the, the environment in which that they're able to grow. Yeah, for anybody out there listening, y'all are hearing it from experts right now. Uh, when I think about that cut, I'm going to use Shinwei's. Um, you know, to a degree, like Christina said, in, in, especially in that cut, um, you know, sometimes T.I. in a sense could get misunderstood. Obviously, again, just continuing to use them as an example to have this discussion. Um, but ultimately, 
it's almost two things that I take from that from that that small cut. He's almost in a sense having to battle even his wife and King's grandmother, if you will, on their approach and the approach that he wants to take with King. At uh, and the reason that cut even came back to the table, if you will, is because of the recent altercation that they had and, and it was getting floated around saying, hey, look at when T.I. was trying to, in a sense, get King in order. So it's almost like the thought is, like, did he have to continue to, even in his own home, specifically using, again, this as an example, did he have to, in a sense, continuously fight even the person he was with to be able to offer that masculine energy in order to not, quote-unquote, coddle King because that's a common thought and I feel like even with my seven years being as a um, after school instructor that there is quote unquote a lot of coddling of youth today and not enough masculine energy speaking to Sincere's point being added to that village in order to cut out some of the coddling that in a sense would end up leading to what we call disrespect when the kids act out in manners that we wouldn't want them to. Any thoughts to that, Chinway? Uh, y- yeah, so much, so many powerful points have been made, and and I must raise my hand because I am a master coddler, um, and I don't know if that's always been helpful. Um, I was thinking of that saying, you know, women – we raise our daughters and love our sons. And my mm-hmm. friends and I who have uh, adult sons, we, we talk about this often. And, and one of the things I was discussing with a, another professional educator who is also retired was that, you know, we are trying to, we, we're raising our sons, but we're also in a situation where we can't throw our sons to the wolves because Without us, this is how, you know, this is just how we're feeling. Without us as that safety net, who is, gonna, who is going to support our sons? And I'm, I'm talking in general, not just personally. Who's going to support our black boys? And so we have to have that nurturing side. And as Sincere said, we also have to have that being a man, that masculine energy, that is so, so, so uh, very crucial. No, it makes oh, sense I want to, can I add one more thing oh. real quick? Oh, sorry. No, no, okay. You just be way. Okay, go ahead. Finish. 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 Yeah, finish. I just want to add real, sorry, real quick. You know, my father, my father told me a long time ago, he's like, I totally get Joe Jackson. I totally get the way he raised his children. And I, he totally got the way Serena and Venus William's father, um, how he operated. My father totally got them. Nah, strong point. Sincere, yeah, definitely jump in here. We know that there should be some balance. I'm just offering that, you know, in my experience, you know, seven years in the school system, in the school system, that that balance is lacking, and the dynamic can work, or you know, it should work when the balance is there but I also highlighted that it seemed like T.I. was in a sense having to fight even within his own family to provide that balance. So I do see that as an issue even sometimes when the, quote, unquote, appearance of the balance is there, if that makes sense. Your thoughts, Kim? 
Yeah, absolutely. Everybody is making great, great points, and we need to operate in concert with one another, right? The village is important. Like, I implore single mothers, listen, bring your sons, bring your daughters around men, men that stand up in their families and in their communities so they can see, so they can observe, so they can critique, they can question, so so they can get that love. And what we have to do is support each other's way of elevating the child or rearing the child, right? So, so what that means is this. Like, I don't criticize mothers for putting their arms around their sons, nurturing, coddling. I don't criticize them. What I do is I do my job, and I ask them, please don't criticize me for what I'm doing as an emotionally intelligent man that, that understands what it takes to be a man in this world. So, so we can support each other. We don't necessarily have to agree with each other. So that's what I'm often putting out uh, in these spaces because I support uh, the mothers, right? When I sit these young men or these young women down, I often solidify the points that their mothers are making uh, if they're single mothers. But I do it mm-hmm. in a way that a divine masculine entity does it, right? So what we have to understand is that we must work in concert. It still takes a village to raise a child or they will be misguided, which leads to the disrespect. Mm-hmm. Now, a strong point. Let me go to this break, brother, and uh, we'll continue this conversation. If you're out there online and want to get in, 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Yeah, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping gel or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try this sweet red first. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure, that's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Zippendale. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top ten drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay, now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to sippershellwines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh yeah? Okay, you said what? Shippingsharewines.com, is that it? Yep. Yeah. activation moment of trauma for you? I think there were several things. I think that the first was being left with a babysitter. There was a woman that was older than me. I mean, that was older and and her, you know, touching and doing things to me that don't normally happen to kids. Right? Like molesting. Right, basically. Yeah. So I, I was introduced to sex at a very really young age. young? Yeah. Second thing was that I had this lady that lived next door to us in an apartment. She was married to this guy. They had two kids. Yeah. And it was around my age. And I used to hang out with them. And I was there one day. And I remember like it was yesterday. They got into an argument. Yeah. And me, me and the little boys was playing in the room. And I heard them. You know, and I heard that saying before. I, yeah, you, I, you wait till I get back. I'll be right back. And I kind of looked at the boys. I'm like, oh, you know. And, and sure enough, he came running upstairs. And he went in the closet. 
right? Mm-hmm. And we was going to the closet. He was thumbing through the closet. And I saw it when he pulled it out. It was like a big, like, can it be like a silver 357? Oh, and my God. And I looked God. at them, and I immediately was like, yo, we got to hide. Yeah. And but why did you know to hide? Because I had been around that before growing up. Mm-hmm. So I went and climbed under the sink mm-hmm. in the bathroom and hid. Mm-hmm. And I heard some yelling, and all I heard was, he killed his the wife. He, he didn't kill her. He shot her like four times. Oh my god! Right, and he ran, left us there. My mom and dad came looking for me. Um, eventually, they found me under the sink when the police and everything was there. But I just, you know, they just stuck with me, right? Mm-hmm. And before I was eight, mm-hmm. I had already accepted this is this is the norm, right? I was already desensitized. And At was, eight years old? Yeah. I was already thinking like, okay, this this is what life is. And they gave me this thing to like always like protect myself, right? Yeah, yeah. Because nothing think, felt safe. Right. Do you have siblings? At the My point? brother. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question. Today's you disrespectful or misguided as we hear a cut it went viral not too long ago. Me and Jesus did a great conversation. We ended up doing a full show on it. Uh, but I wanted to highlight that particular cut where Jesus highlighting at eight years old, he was desensitized. And so, Chinway, when you mentioned, in a sense, you see a lot of pain out there. There are some of our youth going through circumstances like a young Jeezy that have had experiences that they should not have at such a young age that probably plays a huge role in some of quote-unquote, the misbehaviors that we, uh, in a sense, witness in the schools and, uh, you know, in the sincere of the world, helping youth and, you know, even myself being a school instructor trying to, in a sense, put in my time with the youth, especially those that had those types of experiences, in a sense, could be more difficult, but society, to a degree, in my opinion, would just offer that they're just more disrespectful, and I, in my opinion, think that's unfair, especially if you had that type of experience. I was fortunate enough not to come up under that type of experience, but I can't imagine an eight-year-old being desensitized to shooting already. And I know you come from an area where, unfortunately, those type of things were normalized. So your thoughts on um, that cut from Jeezy and how it relates to today's discussion? Are you talking to me? I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, absolutely, Queen. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Again, you know, yeah. You, you said you're 30 years in this thing. You started out in California. Oh. If I'm Inglewood, California 40, people, so I 40 years, yeah. Uh, yeah, 40 years, I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, let me disrespect your time. 40 years in this thing. Absolutely, Queen. Yeah, give me all my time now. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you deserve it all, Queen. You deserve it all. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, one of the – actually, one of the reasons – our family moved to Atlanta was to get away from Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, I, I loved Los Angeles as a single person, but I did not want to raise my children there in, in the city, um, not to mention it was getting more expensive. And and this was in the 80s, the crack epidemic and the, the gang banging. I, I was at one of those schools. I started in Inglewood, but I did go to Los Angeles Unified, and we did have those drills, uh, drive-by shooting drills at the school I was at, which was a school um, 
was affiliated with, with the Bloods, even though it was an elementary school. I distinctly remember one of my students begging, this is a girl, Beatrice, she begged me to retain her because she said they are going to jump me into the gang when I, you know, when I go to middle school, junior high. Please, please keep me um, back in, in this grade. So there is a lot of, there's been pain, but it seems like, I don't know if we're being exposed, the, the Band-Aid is being ripped off the pain, or if there is uh, more pain. In the year prior to me retiring, I had never had children come come to me in private and, and talk about their ideas of suicide at the elementary level. And I heard it twice in my last mm, two years before retiring. So I, I, it does come out as disrespect and, and children don't, I don't, they don't, know how to handle some of the things they're experiencing or some of the feelings that they're feeling in a mature way because they are children. Oh, man, that is tough to hear. I mean, even in that, if I continue the video, Jeezy even highlights that he eventually went through a stage after, matter of fact, we'll put another cut later, and he highlights that there was a small period where he, he even thought about pretty much ending his life just based on his experiences, not at that, about at eight years old, but a little later based on some of his experiences. Um, I don't really got a, so much more time with you, Sincere, so any thoughts about, and again, I know you're dealing with youth that are coming from some of those tough places as well, so any thoughts as it relates, again, to this discussion? Are they more disrespectful? Or are they misguided? Your thoughts, King? Absolutely, and our sister is on point. It comes from uh, pain, it comes from trauma, uh, but any pain or trauma can be healed, right? Um, and healing is not a disposition, it's not a destination, it's a journey, right? So, so coming from those environments myself and being able to get to a point to where um, I've been able to get out of thrive, out of survival mode and into thriving mode, I know that it exists with the proper and effective tools and the wise counsel, right? So that's the reason why uh, me and other brothers, right, because I challenge brothers to step up. They step up. Be, be, be present for the community, right? If you are doing great in life or, or like, like let's, let's, let's see. Let's actually see and let's put it out here in front of these babies so they understand that there's different things that we can do to be impactful, to be purposeful, to be intentional, right? So we have to show up. These babies are not supposed to know how to be emotionally intelligent at such young ages, but they're exposed to so much information to where they're triggered earlier, they have access to more sooner, right? So we have to come in and be that safety net. We have to be that guide for them, and it's our responsibility because, brother, it's our age group that lost our children, so we got to get them back by any means necessary. All right, so we that starts with our example. Now, that makes sense. Um, Marilyn, if you will, um, this is what pops in my mind in time we're having these discussions. What pops in my mind is, and you kind of mentioned it earlier in the show, 
uh, just kind of the stage that we're at as far as not having the village. Uh, like, uh, I don't even know if we always own the fact or we'll say it takes a village, but I don't know if we ever have, the, in my opinion, the right dialogues about what it takes to, in a sense, regain the village. And so while I follow and love the work that Sincere does with Black Boys, um, Batter and a couple of other organizations that he's a part of. He's a, a part of so many, so he lives exactly what he talks. Um, I would offer that I don't think we recognize that as specifically for the black community here in the, in the U.S., if you will, is a lot of brothers are like sincere. A lot of decent men are like sincere that are, are being involved, and I would say most good brothers are extending themselves, whether it's coaching, running a scouting organization, or even a one-on-one mentoring. And so there's this thought within our culture that, that we don't look out for our culture in a sense because we have all this pain that we're speaking to now a part of the, you know, as a part of, to a, a part of the culture. I don't think we're recognizing, in my opinion, that we let it get to a point where all the good men stepping up can't cover all of these children. And again, that's just my relative perspective on what I'm seeing that we're at that stage. I'm not saying it can't be done. I think Cecilia is absolutely right when somebody has that. But are we not are we not thinking about this on a broader scale of how we recover it for all of these children? If that makes sense. Your thoughts, Queen? Absolutely. Um... And I think you're correct. You know, there are plenty of in our community, um, and you know, that I know personally, who are stepping up to to be, you know, mentors and to be part of that village for the young men and the families. Because men are important, not just for the other for young boys. They're important for girls as well. You know, a man being a part of a young girl's life is essential um, as well. Um, and I think what happens is that. You know, we're we're so focused on, like, creating organizations and groups and things like that where you have to, like, go there. You have to, like, go and, like, apply or be a part of this thing in order for your child to to get that support, your family to get that support, when sometimes that's not, um, that's not as easily accessible as it was at mm. a certain point in time, you know. We need to have these things in a microcosm within our communities. It needs to be the next door neighbor or, you know, the barbershop off the street or whoever, someone who is a part of that community intrinsically who reaches out um, or is available at the very least to the young boys and girls in their community uh, because, you know, a, a mom or a dad or whatever can always jump in a car and drive their child across town or whatever to be able to be a part of a mentoring organization, you know, so it, it needs to be something that's much more um, embedded and meshed within the community. And that starts from, you know, again, that next door neighbor, that starts from the uncle, that starts from, you know, and, and, and that's another thing too, that our families are, um, are like in these, these diasporas, you know, where we're not very close and connected to each other anymore. Uh, and, and so we don't have the uncle up the street. We don't have auntie around the corner that, you know, we can connect with and who all comes together to support each other and we have easy access to each other and things like that. And so we, we don't have that. Uh, and so I think that's one of the, the, the larger issues is that even for the, the, the men and the women 
who are willing to, who would love to, I should say, uh, extend their support to a village, for them it's not always easy to, you know, go and be a part of an organization or drive somewhere. They've got other things. It needs to be more organic, you know, a part of their lives where, and it's, you know, the little cousin or the neighbor or somebody who they just take under their wing, who welcome them to their home, you know, who, you know, when they go somewhere with their kids, they invite, uh, you know, the little boy from down the street to go with them so that they can be part of that community for them, you know. And so I think that's part of what we're missing is that it's much more, quote, unquote, organized, you know, in the way that it's always accessible to everyone. And we really do need to, uh, to we need to be more organic. And we need to, uh, well, I think you know, it's part of we, we have to have the conversation, I think, uh, we don't have the conversation about what the village actually could or should look like and the dialogue mm-hmm. about how to even get it back in that sense because I didn't even think about it. But, yeah, to your point, um, even the organizations that are trying or sometimes the organization was like, well, we did this and nobody came out and it's, put, it's not putting the context around that it's not necessarily that they don't want to show up, but it's not simple if, if, you know, if someone's having to be at work and they may want their child there. So, yeah, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint that you can have the organization, but there could be a lot of logistics to why you don't get access to as many youth as you would like, um, just for example. We'll be right back mm-hmm. with listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. What did you just say to me? What did you just say? I'm sorry. But you didn't bless me with anything because I have no ass. I have no boobs. I have no lips. I have no eyelashes. 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question. Today's youth, disrespectful or misguided, have a couple of special guests on Marilyn and Tenway rocking out with me as we're diving through this conversation and to, in a sense, move it to the daughter side of it as we hear a cut that went viral on um, IG, I believe, was this mixed girl was highlighting that she was upset with her mother because she didn't have the assets that she wanted. She was in the mirror putting on makeup, if you will, and she was mad at her mother, which, again, from that short cut, seemed very disrespectful to point out that because of you, mother, I have I don't have the right size butt. I don't have the right size lips. Uh, her mother's like, what did you say to me? And Unfortunately, we have an adult once again recording this. Again, I'm, I, I would never be okay with this, that the adults are part of a, a, a IG Live. I don't know if it was a live situation, but either way, it was recorded and put up on social media. So in a sense, I would offer parents or playing a role in this, in this, that they're even recording their children during these moments, if you will. Um, Marilyn, I'll start with you just again moving it, the conversation along, if you will. Um, yeah, I think a big part of the problem is what you just said is that um, uh, we have a lot of parents playing into, you know, this dynamic. And um, if you ever read the book, Emotionally Immature, you know, Parents, um, sadly, we have a lot of that going around. We have a generation that a large part of us were are, are raised by parents who were probably not much more than children themselves when they had children. You know, and so as they're, you know, we, we, we have that dynamic kind of like playing off of each other and there nobody's really being the adult in the situation. So that, I agree with you, should have never even made it to social media. But, uh, you know, that uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself that you can't have a you know, cohesive, you know, place for children to develop when adults are just as culpable in um, and creating the friction and being that that in and of itself is disrespectful to the child and having a safe space to um, share that. That's something that could have been worked out within the family and a discussion to happen within the family without having to publicly, you know, humiliate the child and the mother in turn really embarrassing herself as well. Not even realizing she's embarrassing herself because um, why else would you put it on social media if you, if you mm-hmm. even – I did, you know, if you even understood that it's an embarrassment to you to even do that to your child. Chinway, your thoughts, um, again, hearing that cut. Because, again, at surface, it does seem super disrespectful that a, a young girl could be like, it's your fault, Mom, I don't have a big enough butt. Like, you know, it seems on the surface, it seems silly or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, again, this is the mother recording this in her eyes to show the world, look at how disrespectful my daughter is. Your thoughts, Queen? Uh, I I was sitting here uh, thinking, you know, we we without this, without that being online, we wouldn't be here. It, it gave us a, an impetus for a discussion mm-hmm. to move forward, and at the same time, I'm I'm still a, a little taken aback that people put their business out there like that, a grown parents putting their children's 
vulnerabilities out there for for likes or views or I'm still um, just a little confused. <laughs> well, I agree with you. Let's throw, let me throw this in, Queen, because because that's part of like you said, it's the emphasis for us to have this dialogue. So part of the dialogue is if we're going to say, are children more disrespectful or misguided, then it's also becoming very aware that, quote, unquote, if we as the adults are taking part in and why we're doing it, the why, you know, for that mother who thinks it's okay to show, look at how disrespectful my mother is, being unaware of the fact that she's seeking validation of proof Mm -hmm. that my daughter's disrespectful instead of the what it takes. And I'll, Marilyn, you please jump back in here. Um, But Mm -hmm. that moment is, you know, I can I can get, I can see how that would be extremely hurtful for her mm-hmm. as a mother. But jumping to mm-hmm. social media is validation for let me tell you how disrespectful my daughter is. That's a deep-seated mm-hmm. conversation that needs to be had that any young teenager in their own world can come up with these offshoot ideas that, you know, just mm-hmm. based on their experience, you know, she, she wants based on what society shows that, you know, a beautiful woman is, she wants these things, a bigger mm-hmm. live, a bigger, like, that's normal for a teenager to want it, and I can, mm-hmm. I can again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, I can only imagine how hurtful that is for the daughter. But if we're talking mm-hmm. about misguided, misguided is seeking validation as the parent. So, um, mm-hmm. again, just jump back in, what, 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 how should that conversation have happened? Obviously not online, but in, in that sense, from your experience, what could the mother, what might could have been the approach? Obviously, you don't know the full background of that young lady, mm-hmm. but what could have been the approach versus going IG Live? I agree. I love the word that Chinua used um, in her response, the vulnerability of the child, because what she was expressing, there's something I say to a lot of parents that I work with when it comes to teenagers in particular, is that attitude does not equal disrespect. You know, attitude equals feelings, and that feelings are complex. And young people, you know, don't always have the experience or the words to be able to express themselves, mm-hmm. what they're feeling and what they're thinking in a mature way uh, or a way that really kind of makes sense to us. And it can be hurtful to us sometimes, but it doesn't mean that, um, that they are necessarily being disrespectful, even if they're kind of coming across kind of sharp. And us as the adults, we have to take that in and be the example for how to handle the situation because that is a feeling, that is a vulnerability that her daughter was sharing with her. That is something that, you know, as you said, was probably hurtful to her. You know, we live in an IG world. Young girls, they're, you know, are, are more depressed than ever because of this exposure to social media and these influencers and everything else, and none of them feel like they are good enough anymore, you know, just being – you know, I'm, I, I didn't see the video, but I'm sure the young girl was probably, you know, just, a, a, you know, at least average, if not a beautiful young girl within her own right, but now doesn't feel like she's good enough because she doesn't have these particular attributes. And that's something that the mother can recognize because I think the mother was hurt. And instead of saying, okay, well, you know, maybe she has her own pain that is making, you know, maybe she didn't feel um, um, adequate herself. And so that, you know, triggers something for the mother. But our triggers belong to us, and as the adults, we have to show our children how to handle their triggers and talk to her about, okay, well, you know, 
I would personally tell her, you know, genetics were not in my control either, you know, and it's just something you, you are beautiful the way that you are. And there are many things that whether, you know, you have what is, is, is as presented as the ideal of beauty, that's not reality. And, you know, you can enhance what you were given in so many ways and, and still be just as gorgeous. And, you know, it's not something perfect. You have to kind of understand what in particular is going on with that um, young person. But definitely validating the child's feelings and understanding what could be triggering it, and then also managing her own triggers, managing her own feelings, you know, because, again, that's why I said the child, the adult is, you know, being childish in this situation and not managing her own emotions very well. And she, she could have been an example on how to deal with not having these, you know, stand, you know standards of beauty herself and giving her tools for feeling beautiful. You know, maybe even suggesting going necessary. to therapy. Extremely necessary, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. extremely necessary with the IG world that our youth are growing up in. It becomes extremely necessary that, mm-hmm. as you said, as hurtful as it may sound, it as hurtful as it sounded, um, you have to make sure your daughter doesn't see those things as necessary for her own esteem and you ruin that opportunity by embarrassing her on IG for the entire world to see because it's going to only validate her need to, in her mind, to have those things. Mm -hmm. Like you just drove a wedge between you and your daughter by seeking validation of your own feelings via social media. And I'm reiterating this because how many times are we even watching these videos where the parents are actually recording the video? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have and to become aware of ourselves if we're going to sit mm-hmm. here and say the next generation is more disrespectful. Again, it's mm-hmm. just trying to have the dialogue in full, and we as parents and society also, in my opinion, must become aware of our part in this. Let's go to another break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, 61% of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not, tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging texts that keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. AI is here to change the game. 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 Change the game.
I didn't have the example of what a family was supposed to look like. Right. The first thing before you marry someone, it's like, well, what is his relationship like with his mother? I feel like my mother, it came from her not being raised right. Very violent, very verbal, very cold. I just remember that I was kind of on the outside because I looked so much like my father. Uh-huh. They they divorced, and all I know is my father just told me straight up here, never trust another woman again, which made me go, shit. Well, what was that about? Because whatever happened between them uh-huh. hurt him. So right. one was not feeling safe and protected when you were molested. Right. Two was a void of love and compassion and acceptance from your mom. Yeah. And then the third one was, okay, now I'm going to completely disconnect from myself here because there is no love here, and I'm going to go to the streets, yeah. and I'm going to hustle, and I'm going to make money, and I'm going to prove that I'm, I'm worthy of somebody. this love, and I'm going to be somebody. Right. When I left my mother's house, I had to be around 13, 14 yeah. maybe. Yeah. And the reason why I left because she pulled a gun up, right? Okay. And, and basically told me, like, you know, you go either do what I say, I'm going to take you out of this world type thing. I was just like, yo, Why was she so hard? I don't really know her father like that. And as as I get older, I start to realize that you just never know what somebody went through. You know, one thing I love about my mother, she was spicy. Uh Uh-huh. Like she she got got a tongue that can cut half the world down. I love it. So I'm raising boys. Right. It's very interesting when you are trying to get that young boy to be a man and to go out into the world. And I would say that I do a good job of being present with them. But then there's that part of me where I'm like, I don't want to raise mama's boys. I got an option to go to this boot camp. And in that camp, I was able to get my GED, learn life skills, Mm -hmm. and a bunch of different things. It was my first time being pulled away from my environment, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely gave me time to think about, you know, what I wanted to do in my life, mm. where I wanted to go, and it was a different type of experience because it was like a lot of uh, structure, mm-hmm. something that I wasn't used to. And it's crazy because I'll never forget um, it was, it was. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question. Today's you. Disrespectful or misguided, if you want to get in on the discussion, please give us a call at 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to let us know if you want to speak. If you're listening right now, make sure you're sharing this link with others if you recognize the work we're doing here at the Mr. Dialog Talk Show. My special guest this morning, Shinway in Maryland, um, another cut from the Mia and Jeezy conversation some weeks back, um, Jeezy highlighting to an extent his experience with his toxic mother and Mia saying her relationship with her father was toxic because she didn't have one, um, if you will. So a lot of perspectives, a lot of dynamics, and then they beautifully highlighted, hey, well, what about what your mother went through? And it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. And so we're all, in a sense, learning or, or having to unlearn maybe even our own issues in how we're parenting the youth or, as we've already pointed out, some of the youth are having experiences that we're not considering when we're just wanting to put them on IG and show how disrespectful they are. Like we're just showing those snapshots and not respecting everyone's journey, the parents and the youth. Go ahead, Marilyn, if you will. I love how Judy talked about the structure at the end. I think that's an aspect of trying to correct some of this as well, if you will. But go ahead, Queen. Yes, I definitely, I think, um, 
it brings the question, you know, how parents are raised. Our parents are humans too, you know, and they had their own experiences. They had, you know, rough childhoods and all of that. And I think it's so important, you know, it makes it all the more important something that you say all the time is that we have to have the right environments before we choose to have children. And honestly, it comes down to being intentional about having children and when. And we have to be able to heal and grow and develop ourselves before we bring people into this world. And we're coming again from a culture where that has not been the case. You know, our society, we have, you know, just a, a lack of intentionality when it comes to creating our families. We haven't developed ourselves. We haven't healed, you know, and so now we're kind of like projecting our traumas forward into the next generation. And, you know, and, and then they have to, you know, one of the things that I forget the person who said it originally, but we have to be able to give our children childhood that they don't have to heal from or recover from so that they can focus on becoming adults because a lot of people spend so much of their adult years healing from their childhoods in order before they can even focus on what it means to be an adult, you know, and then and then the, the worst part is that the cycle is perpetuated because while they're trying to figure out, you know, um, what's going on with them and healing from their childhood, they've had children already and they've already, you know, projected trauma forward, a lot of them. And so it continues from, from there. So I think, I think it comes down to, again, that structure of having, you know, um, uh, access to both parents um, as much as possible, or at least figures, you know, mother figures, father figures who who support us and who are able to give us the structure that we need and then uh, also have people in our lives. If our parents can give it to us, we have to have people in our lives who can actually direct us and who do give us that um, what we need from childhood. But, again, just as adults, you know, before we have so important to be able to um, to deal with what, you know, was inflicted on you as a child that you had no control over before we, you know, uh, perpetuate that trauma forward into the next generation, if that makes sense. No, that makes a whole mm. lot of sense. And I think it's part of mm. the dialogue that is necessary is to become extremely aware of the intentionality of setting the stage for the next generation and what that looks like. Uh, like even in mm-hmm. listening to Jeezy and Neil break down that dialogue and why they pointed out, started as they were kind of walking through it themselves and, and Neil thought to say, well, you know, well, what was your mother's father like? And he's like, oh, I don't really know her. But, um, but one thing I love about my mother is she was spicy and she'll get you told and that type of thing. And so, so even in their walking through the dynamic, um, they're almost hot. He's without, in my opinion, almost without realizing, highlighting something that he loved in his mother that probably played a big role in why she wasn't that loving to him. And at 13, said, if you don't act right, I'll take you out of this world. A very common statement that was often said, I know, Mm -hmm. for a lot of youth in the South. And so even in, you know, them trying to discover and walk through it themselves, you don't, not realizing you will attach to some very things, your, your, your childhood trauma will have you attached to some of the very things that you actually say, oh, I love, or I love that, that are actually harmful mm-hmm. in your relationship first with your parent, and it absolutely will affect you in your relationship with significant others as an adult. Chinue, mm-hmm. your thoughts to everything you're hearing as well? Um, 
I want to I want to go back to something that Marilyn said in, about the organic the, necess, the necessity of organic relationships that can help support you know our children moving forward and and how we establish those how we connect children with informally the the big cousin I think she mentioned her in the neighborhood and I, I I say that because I was listening to um, a, a podcast the other day with Tony Story. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a transformational leader. Grew up in a very uh, difficult life, did not feel worthy. I think there were seven of them in a, a two-bedroom apartment. His dad uh, was killed in a car accident at a young age. What turned his life around, he said one of his teachers told him, you know, I think in third grade, I think he was eight, that he was brilliant. And he had never heard that concept, was never a part mm-hmm. of his vocabulary. It's nothing that his um, mother ever told him or his father. And so that that one sentence, that one statement, you never know how what you say is going to impact uh, someone's life, whether it's an informal relationship. And I, I want to also add, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the day my son was born, the woman who gave birth next to me was a crackhead. In fact, when I left the hospital, they wouldn't let her take her child because she tested positive. So we're talking about intentionality and setting up the next generation. And I asked her, why did you even have a child? And her answer was, because I said when I turned 26, I was going to have a baby, and she did. Now, uh, I named, she wouldn't give the name, the father's name. Uh, the nurses were begging her. She, I named the baby. She wouldn't name the baby. We had to drop her off at um, – she had nowhere to go. We dropped her off at a roach motel, and oh we pulled God. off because my child is in the car, in the car seat. We're just leaving. And the manager's running off and telling her, you know, where do you think you're going? Well, you're not coming in here. So I always think what has happened to that child now? Mm. What happened to his life? How did his life turn out? And mm. yeah, that's we, hard we need to even those organic, to informal relationships. That's what you think about what happened to that child, and mm-hmm. and 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 something that I think we we do to a degree as a culture, specifically the African American culture, is is let's say we could find that child you're talking about, Chinway. Let's say we found that child, and they were thriving, if you will, and they figured it out, and that would, and based on what you just told us. That would be almost, in a sense, considered a miracle, if you will, right? Like to say, wow, mm-hmm. coming from that background, look at how they turned out. Uh, I think LeBron James is another example of it, if you will, if you know mm-hmm. any of his history of having, in a sense, to move around and not really getting stable until that one coach kind of became his father figure and basketball became his thing, if you will, or whatever. And so he's this prime example, and I'm highlighting. LeBron James, or again, that Texas 
situation. Well, not fictitious, just in the event that, yeah, like you said, that young man is, or if he turned out amazing. So what we mm-hmm. do is you naturally highlight, and we don't think of it this way, but we highlight the exceptions mm-hmm. to kind of, in my opinion, as a culture, continue to do what normally does not work out for the majority mm-hmm. of us within the black community has not been working out for the majority of us. But again, I love highlighting a, a, a comeback story or whatever you may call those types mm-hmm. of stories. So I get that mm-hmm. we do it, but we're doing it now to our detriment to kind of mm-hmm. say, you don't have to listen to anything that ensures more of, you know, more value that this pain doesn't mm-hmm. come back to us from our youth as disrespect. It's like the mm-hmm. society, to a degree, we've let them down because we highlight the exception and say, oh, you'll be fine. Like that, I think mm-hmm. that has become part of the culture. Go ahead, man. I think you want to jump in on that. Yeah, we romanticize the unicorns, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and it really, um, that's, those are unicorn stories, absolutely. The far, far majority of children born into these situations end up um, in in worse situations. They go through the system or they, you know, in some form or fashion, um, or even if they just happen to make it in life, they live their lives with a lot of trauma, you know, um, and there, there's nothing, you know, to romanticize there. You know, the people who escape it and, you know, make it big and do great, that's wonderful for them. You know, and it can be inspiring for others who may be in that situation. But most of the time, those exceptions are, you know, obviously not the rule. You know, so we have to, again, go back to being um, intentional about the environments that we create for our families just by even, you know, thinking, you know, ahead about what kind of life that we want for our children um, and 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 even when we see, and also us as a community around these families, you know, uh, it, many of us will see children who obviously look like, you know, they're not in a situation in which they're thriving, but we're so consumed with our own lives. You know, some for good reason and everything, we, you know, focus on our families and our family is our first responsibility, but extending ourselves to our community, even if it's just one child, you know, one child, one family that we see that may need a little bit extended nurturing or extended love and things like that, or just an invitation to be a part of our that space makes can make a big no, difference. Definitely you know? mm-hmm. but again, without trying to make that difference, we continue to normalize, which I think creates more of what we quote unquote don't need. And we end up with the quote unquote disrespectful children. Again, I think a very unfair mm-hmm. statement. We don't forget this little break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show where all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Eh, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves hers. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping deal or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try the sweet red first. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Zippin' This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. 
Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SipAndShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on, too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? ShipAndShareWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Bad. Listen, Kang, it's, it's, it's better ways. Uh, it's better ways, nigga, to express your childhood trauma than taking it out on your parents. Now, I'm going to tell you like I tell them little kids in the boys' home. It's an alternative school in them adolescent centers, okay? Whatever has happened to you in your... Raised into no motherfucking survivalistic environment, nigga. However, you didn't ask to be born, okay? It's not your fault, whatever has happened to you, good or bad. But once you know right from wrong, motherfucker, everything lies at your feet, and you know right from wrong. So at this point, you little yellow motherfucker, you got to forgive Tippy and Tiny for what you think they should have done, what they did, or what they didn't do. You got to forgive them, nigga. Because now, since you say you're a grown man, you're stifling your own growth. Yeah, you're stifling your own growth, nigga. So forgive Tiny and Tippy for what they did or didn't do, my nigga. Now, you're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you, Tiny, okay? And boy, when you do that, that anger will be able to be easily released. Because we see you walking around like a man, them people fight up there. Well, everybody got to turn around and do this. <laughs> yeah, don't nobody stand up and look down at the motherfucking feel this commotion going on down there. Man, you just done done all the way bad. And you know what's so bad about it? You yellow. Yellow kids don't act. Only white. That's that white in you. Yeah, no, yellow black babies don't act like this. I promise they don't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yellow black babies, that's that, that's that white baby acting like that. We done seen white kids behave like this, bucking up against their parents. You know why? You were raised with your white Grandmama, mama. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. This morning's discussion question, today's youth, disrespectful or misguided, to play a cut from none other than the colorful, Charles the White obviously has his colorful ways in which he will make his viewpoints, but he's well known on the online, if you will. Um, also had a back and forth with T.I. from, um, from uh, I guess, last year, if you if you will. So he gave his three cents on well, a piece of, he took a piece of uh, his three cents on the Kane situation. Um, but I think he highlights something very important. Again, if he can put his colorful talk aside of yellow babies and all that kind of stuff, again, that's just him in character, if you will. But a very important point that I thought he pointed out and something that has to be a part of this conversation is – what it looks like if you are the, the adult or the youth having to, in a sense, figure this out. Um, that it, quite often, if you are, if you will, trying to figure out through your inner childhood dreams, and you may not even be aware of that's what it is, but a lot of it's based on how you were brought up you know, with your parents or, again, or the adult with children, whatever the case may be. We've been speaking to that throughout this show. Ultimately, he points out how it becomes ultimately your own responsibility and points out an effective way. And then, Marilyn, again, you are our expert here when it comes to cognitive behavior. Uh, I think from what I'm coming from an effective way to start that process, which is forgiving 
in offense your parents for what they did or did not do, uh, whether your perspective is correct or wrong, whether right or wrong, ends up being one of the first necessary steps to your healing. So your thoughts on, again, Charleston White offering that perspective in his own colorful way. Uh, I think he's absolutely right. As, um, you know, when we're children, we don't have any control over what happens to us, you know, who our parents are and how they, you know, parent us according to their own experience and their own, you know, their own childhood issues. When we become adults, we are now responsible for how we handle it and how we move forward. So um, if anyone who hasn't heard of the term can look it up, but I work with clients um, in something called reparenting, reparenting yourself. And, again, first, you forgive your parents because they were humans and they had, you know, their own traumas and their own issues. Um, someone like King who had parents who, uh, you know, they were young when they went into the industry and, you know, when they started having children and um, they came up with a lot of their own, you know, um, issues, you know, let's say. You can take that into account and say, okay, lay it down, forget about it, and stop holding them responsible. Are they accountable for how they raised you? Yes, but they're not responsible for who you are moving forward and who you choose to become. And you can take those and figure out how to begin that process of healing and reparenting yourself. You can give yourself the things that you didn't get from your parents. Um, Tip and Tiny may never be able to give him what it is that he needs as an individual. Um, They'll never be able to go back and correct you know, what it is that they, they may have done that harmed him when he was growing up. But he himself now can take the reins in his own life, in his own, you know, emotional space to to be able to move forward. You know, he can't change what happened, but he can change, you know, how he moves into the future by being that, that advocate for himself, you know, and being um, the person for himself, his own inner child, that he be what he needed when he was little um, as an adult, you know. And so, again, I believe that Chauncey, I think that's his name, is absolutely right, that he, you know, needs to take responsibility moving forward for, uh, you know, letting go of the past that he can't change and who his parents are that he can't control. Only thing he can control is himself and his choices and how he chooses to um, um, treat himself you know, and boundaries he may have because young people, they are allowed to have boundaries with their parents, you know. So if he's not getting what he needs from them, you know, he can, you know, protect himself in whatever he, you know, in any way that he needs to, he can protect himself and then he can also empower himself to be able to... Well, I think, to get I, like, I think we pointed it out, if you will, Marilyn, and we'll go to Chen Wei here, but I think, I think it was you that pointed it out and maybe Chen Wei pointed out that, you know, even to a degree some of his response on Twitter, again, that's what the young people mm-hmm. do now to take it and make it go public, but even his response mm-hmm. after the altercation might be one sense of setting, setting a boundary, hopefully for himself, in mm-hmm. even the acceptance of, um, you know, when he says, you don't mess with me and that type of stuff. So even that acceptance, mm-hmm. again, now he, if he could take a Charleston's White's advice, and figure out how to forgive them with the boundary, that absolutely could be the start. 
to his own team mm-hmm. because Charleston's right. We're watching him, his outrage and his anger that he's clearly had, mm-hmm. like the first incident he's had on social media or whatever. And again, mm-hmm. this conversation is not about King, but it's a, obviously an opportunity to continue to dive into these conversations. But, yeah, if you will, Chen Wei, um, your thoughts. And I'm actually curious, again, you know, I, you know, you're a longtime member of the Mr. Dollar Community Club. Maryland, thank you for being a member as well. Um, but I know you personally or whatever, and I could even uh, imagine even from your own environment and talking about having to leave a California and move away, if you will, I can imagine you've had some of that same experience where you saw certain things and, in a sense, had to, quote, unquote, heal yourself. So I don't know if that's something you wanted to bring to the table and just reach it out to see because, if people are hearing this type of stuff in a childhood wounds, reparenting, if you're hearing these words for the first time, um, I think you also need an example of what that could look like to even help people um, recognize how they could take those steps. Um, any thoughts, Queen, um, if you're you know willing to share anything in reference to that? Well, uh, one of the, the one of my first thoughts was that. Oh, without forgiveness, we're kind of stuck in victimhood, um, mm-hmm. and that's a powerless place to be. We we have to forgive so that we can empower ourselves. Once once we know that we have the ability to make decisions and make choices, it, it, it's so empowering, and it opens up so many more opportunities versus they did this to me. When you give that much power to an external force, mm-hmm. it, it diminishes who you are, and it diminishes your choices and your trajectory forward in life. So forgiveness is not about uh, letting someone get away with something they did or how they wronged you. It's To me, it's about... I'm taking my life into my hands and I'm going to make choices that are going to lead me in the direction I want to go uh, with my life. That was my first thought. Um, In terms of steps to take in that healing process, uh, I uh, lost my mother when I was 11 and I'm very thankful for my grandparents and my father for raising me. But back then, we did not do therapy. We didn't do any. Uh, there, there was no. Mm-hmm. There was no therapy. That no one. I don't remember anyone asking me how I felt as I approached um, my adolescence at 11, losing my mom. I don't remember having any those discussions. Maybe we had it and I've blocked it out. I don't remember that. So part of my reparenting was um, me, and and believe me, as old as I am, this came recently. You know, it it was a, a long process. So I had to ask myself, and, and look back and have some self-awareness, some of the choices I made. How, what did that how did um, losing my mom at such an early age and then going to Gary, Indiana, which was not a very safe environment, 
um, at the time, and I had a lot of freedom to roam around and do a lot of things um, and see a lot of things. But I, I still in the process. So, like you said, uh, I know. I think Sincere said this is a journey, mm-hmm. and I'm as old as I am. I'm still on the reparenting journey, and so step by step, put one foot in front of the other, and and be self reflective. Look at, ask yourself, why did I do that, and ask it without shame and blame of yourself because oftentimes we are the hardest on ourselves. So that that's um, one of the steps that has helped me in this journey. No, I love it. I love it. You know, I'll say like um, my mother had me when she was very young and so something that um, I, 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 I could say I think I've been fortunate. I had an amazing grandmother that loved on me to the end of the earth, if you will, and the RIP, Katie Mae Smith, if you will, but um, I'll say that um, I was able to, I guess, not realizing I was having to do this, but my mother being so young, we definitely had some experiences that were not favorable, but it was easy for me at a very young age to say, well, my mother was so young. So some of this, I would go, some of this she was learning. So I could put in perspective that, okay, things that I did not like or that were not favorable, I was able to go, well, yeah, she didn't. She was figuring that out. So it was kind of like once I got there, the things that, mm-hmm. um, that if, you know, if I were to, in a sense, put them out public, if you will, on, on surface end, it would be like, oh, that's not a good thing. But I don't feel that way about it or whatever because there's nothing. My, you know, my mother absolutely did love me and did an amazing job, which is probably what parenting is, right? You're going to get some things right and some things wrong. Like that's a reality regardless yeah. of age, if you will. But with her being so young, it, it made me easily process it. And she, she's kind of always been my world anyway. Uh, but as an adult, uh, I remember even just highlighting, hey, yeah, this happened. Sometimes and my mother, would, it would bother her personally. And I'm like, Mom, I'm not saying it as a shot because, you know, that was the reality. That's what it was. But my mother was amazing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it became even more amazing when it was easy to go, yeah, that, those were young mistakes. Like when I could put it in that, when I was able to put it there, you know, with the love of my grandmother and the love of her, you know, in a sense I was good and I was and fortunate enough to have a village around me because, um, you know, she wasn't married, if you will, but I knew, knew, knew my dad, my grandfather raised me. So I definitely had fortunate enough to have that village. But let's go to this last break and we'll come yeah. back and share a piece. Um, out of my book, Re-Education of Negroes, I think relates to today, and it'll be a good way to close out this morning's discussion. I will let anybody, if you want to jump in on this last segment, please give us a call, 646-787-1691. We'll be right back, but all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. 
Nikki Lumbo and TSK are excited to invite you to our annual fundraiser, Educate to Liberate. This year, the docufilm will be viewed at the fabulous Porter Sanford III Performing Arts Center in Decatur, Georgia. The theme this year is SOS, Saving Ourselves. The good news is we have everything we need to save our children. We just have to choose us. The event is Wednesday, November 29th at 6 p.m. Dinner will be served. Go to EducateToLiberate.online or KeyLumboSchool.com to secure your tickets. Text 404-9... EducateToLiberate.online. Tonight they are showing the docuseries live streaming at 7 p.m. If you still have an opportunity to witness the docuseries, as well as donate to help support. I did not know, uh, man, again, I'm not surprised we have these amazing connections when we do it without the mental dialogue talk. So I didn't know that you were associated with and helped at um, Quilombo, uh, you know, was a, or, yeah, I guess a part of using their services, if you will, and generated mm-hmm. on the board at Quilombo. So that was cool to hear that in a sense that y'all were connected. But again, just wanted to highlight the beautiful work. Um, that they are doing in our community, um, if you will, and let people know that they have an opportunity to actually see that um, those performances tonight at 7 p.m. Educate online. I'm sorry, educate to liberate dot online. Uh, with that said, I'm gonna share a piece from my book. I think y'all will see how it, in a sense, relates to today's conversation. Um, Re-education of the Negro, Necessary Conversations, Race, Sex, and Culture, available on Amazon. If you're in Atlanta, you can get it directly from me. Um, quite often share these pieces. And it's kind of how this book should be used, a short commentaries to have dialogue. But, again, I think this one relates to today's discussion to a degree. This one is called Black Socrates Speaks, These Kids Today. One statement you'll never hear me say is these kids today. I'd rather listen to people say these parents today. That which we criticize in the young only reflects what we adults have taught them or have failed to teach them. One day we will reconcile how important our story, history, is to have a true sense of self, and until then, our path as African Americans is steadily pacing on the road to perish. Learning about history naturally bridges the gap from the past to what we can do in the future. We also discuss how too many of our African American children are limited in their future aspirations but that comes directly from a lack of exposure, not only in their daily experiences, but in most cases from never hearing about the greatness of their ancestry. All human subconsciousness surmise that anything done previously can be done again and built upon in the future. However, African-American children are rarely shown any history beyond the enslavement period and the civil rights era in America. They've never heard of Madison Washington, leader of the most successful enslaved African revolt in U.S. history. They don't know about our queens, Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker, were, sorry, they don't know our queens, Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker, were as vital and equal to Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. They never heard the names of African leaders and freedom fighters, Patrice Lumumba or Stephen Biko. Resistance is in their blood, but they don't know why. Yet we reprimand them and they resist without demands or an end game. How is it not mandatory for every black church to laud the teachings of Marcus Garvey or Hubert Harrison? The answer is because for as much as we hold Martin and Malcolm in high regard, we often fail to heed their teachings as a collective. As Malcolm said, only a fool would let his 
enemy teach his children. Today, many of us will hear that quote and get hung up on the word enemy because we're unaware that our American education makes us think, I don't want to make white people my enemy, only to become the reverse of what was done to us. Therefore, we would disregard educating our own children, whether in an African-centered school or as parents doing the legwork of heavily supplementing the public school education that will only provide them African-American studies as an elective at the college level. When psychological implicit bias studies show that 50% of black people are biased against other black people, miseducation is the enemy. The miseducation inherently hidden within public school education confuses students about what white supremacy really is. These kids today will quickly knock out an openly alt-right peer, but as adults, we teach them to never resort to violence due to our own upbringing. Due to our miseducation, we fail to teach them how irrelevant openly racist people are today in society. Whenever a systemic issue raises the ugly head, whether a Mike Brown slash Freddie Gray situation or the ongoing violence in Chicago, some adults want to march and the kids want to burn shit down. We never stop to consider our methods have left them in a world in which they think they must resort to violence to be heard, and that is definitely on us, these parents today. I'm going to quick sideball on this piece. As I once invited a top psychologist onto the Mental Dialogue talk show to teach parents how to talk to our black children about police brutality. I assume she will provide some specific instructions to parents on how our children should handle police encounters. However, Instead, she explained the only thing necessary was to teach children to culturally value themselves. She said any person culturally aware of themselves will know how to assess a police confrontation and behave accordingly. Remember, our history teaches you to love yourself subconsciously because you know you came from something. Start by making sure your children learn about all the historical black people are highlighted in this piece. Tittenway, if you will, your first reaction to that piece again, this is how you use this book to read a commentary and have an open dialogue. So we're going to close the show with this open dialogue because I think it relates to today's discussion. Go ahead, Queen, your thoughts. Um, my first thought was, boy, that was sure a powerful piece and so appropriate for our conversation. And I really love that uh, the emphasis on look at the structural versus the individual, these uh, Mike Brown and on and on and on, these aren't isolated individual instances and, and, uh, and other things, not knowing our history. This is a structural issue, and it has to be addressed systemically. And even though we're saying these parents, parents, I think people um, – Act at the level of where they are. Mm-hmm. So we we might need a, a reeducation, like you said, the reeducation of the Negro. That's from grandparents, great grandparents, children. I, I think we all need a reeducation. Right, thank you for those thoughts, Marilyn. Your thoughts to hearing this piece for the first time. Well, I absolutely concur with what Chinua said. I think um, that was a really deep piece about where we stand as a culture and um, we don't, you know, we don't teach our children to value themselves based on the fact that they come from a place of value. And, and that's because most of us, you know, um, don't even really see it that way that the people, our history has become an abstract thing to us. 
and we don't hold it as a real thing anymore. It's movies, it's a book or something like that. But that's who we are. That's the stock that we come from. And when we take that personally and project that to our children, it changes how they view themselves. And when they change, when we change how they view themselves, it changes how they operate uh, within the family, within the community, and the society as a whole. That's really important. Yeah, I mean, to you know, again, obviously, it's a piece that I wrote and added to the book, but it's just really speaking to um, how value is obtained. It's it, it, mm-hmm. and it's why all cultures, in a sense, provide their history uh, within their society, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, his, a long time ago it was done or, orally, if you will, and now we write history, and there's still indigenous groups around the world that may still do it orally, if you will, but people quite often because of how we going back to the school system from the very beginning of the show when we're talking about, um, you know, the youth being in schools, if you will, because of how the school system teaches, we kind of relegate history um, only to those who, who, who have a love of it. I was obviously one of those kids who loved history, so I was always, you know, in a sense, able to pull those examples out and put them in the book, if you will, with this love of history. But for the most part, history was delivered in the typical public school education system in a way that was boring and people kind of, as you said, Marilyn, relegated to a book. However, Mm -hmm. the reason societies pass down their history is to provide a story of esteem in order for you to have closeness to the group and in turn Mm -hmm. grow up and to protect that group in the event that that group is ever attacked. It is history that ties you to your culture. And so we, relating to the Malcolm X quote in the piece, if we, in a sense, throw our children out simply to the public school education, where is a black child going to get their value? And I think anyone listening right now can see there is a win in us valuing one another and this conversation we've had today about whether it's the kids being disrespectful, whether the parents are doing right, I think all, in a sense, fixes itself if we become responsible with understanding the role history plays in developing a culture. And we can, mm-hmm. in my opinion, no longer leave it to the public school education to provide, because it will not provide, so, therefore, the responsibility comes on us. And like the sidebar I had, the psychologist comes on when we were talking about police brutality specifically, and she didn't give no pointers about what to tell your child in the situation. She said, teach your child to value themselves, and they will act accordingly. That applies to this whole conversation today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Queens, for a beautiful conversation. Marilyn, if you will, uh, give out any contact information you would like to give uh, for anybody following you. And, Chinway, I'll let you get the opportunity to do that as well if you want to. Go ahead, Marilyn. Thank you so much for the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Again, my name is Marilyn Aldoini. Um I can be reached online um, through social media um, on IG, um, The Peaceful Black Mama, on Facebook. Um, also, go by that moniker on Facebook as well. My last name is spelled O-D-U-E-N-Y-I, first name Marilyn, um, and you can reach out anytime. Thank you. Right, thanks so much. Chiway, I don't know if you want to give out any public information. I know you've got stuff going on, so let us know if you want to put it out right now. Uh, yes, I would like to put out the reading recipe. My YouTube channel, the reading recipe is 
one word, R-E-A-D-I-N-G-R-E-C-I-P-E. And those videos are uh, teach beginning, they're supplement, beginning reading lessons. And they're all black characters. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. We gotta have it. Read a recipe. Go check it out on YouTube. It's a great tool to expose your children to to images of themselves. They're not gonna get any in public school. I can't hype on that enough. I can't harp on it enough. But thank y'all for a great conversation. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Thank you. Thank. At Resurgence Orthopedics, Georgia's largest and most trusted orthopedic practice, our expert physicians use the latest technology to get you moving again. At Resurgence, we provide comprehensive operative and non-operative care, rehabilitation, and imaging services at our 24 locations, as well as a walk-in clinic if injury occurs outside normal business hours. Resurgence will get you back to everyday life quickly. Schedule an appointment at resurgence.com. That's R-E-S-U-R-G-E-N-S.com. Resurgence Orthopedics, for all that moves you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.